He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a rat. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 48 of A Good Talk Spoiled. I'm James Richardson. I'm delighted to be back this week. And I'm joined this week with Barry and Bobby. Hey, guys. Hey, James. Good to have you back. Thanks very much. Um, No Alan this week. Um... But we, we have a lot to, to cover, so we're going to move fairly quickly through it. But as always, we appreciate any feedback and comments you have about the podcast. And if there are any golf-related topics you'd like us to deal with, please get in touch with our Twitter handle, which is at PodcastGTS, and also on Facebook. And our email address is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. Uh, if you would like to hear um, more, please would you rate us on iTunes as well, which we'd be very thankful for. But I suppose starting uh, with the news section this week, and I suppose there's only one place, Barry, to start this week in terms of the news in golf, and that's Tiger Woods has a new swing coach. Tiger does, yeah. Uh, goes against what I wanted Tiger to have no swing coach and see how good he really was. But um, I think Bob and Alan were spot on that Tiger needs somebody to bounce off, and apparently he's been doing it now for the last month and a bit, I think. This new guy called Chris Como. Yeah, now I think it's actually, he's not going to be his, actually his coach, he's going to come on as a swing consultant, so I don't think he's an official coach, but he said he will be working with them, um, and going back to your point as well, Barry, I think uh, Tiger's always had someone there, and I have, mm. I've heard anecdotally from, from you know a lot of the American commentators that Tiger likes to, when he's working on the range, he likes to bounce ideas off people, so while he does have a such a strong understanding of his own swing, which 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 you correctly would suggest he should he could work on his own. I think he always likes to have a sounding board there who who has the sort of level of knowledge he has around the golf swing. It seems an interesting way for him to approach it rather than having a full-time coach and he has a consultant. So he he's got he seems to have a a bit more freedom to work on things himself and if he's stuck on anything or has an idea on something then then he gets on to Chris and says hey Chris what's going on and can you have a look at this please so in all honesty did anybody know of Chris Coleman this week this day last week did this man even come on anybody's radar in the world of golf absolutely not I think even a lot of the top journalists did, and top American journalists didn't know about him apparently the people who were very into their into studying the kind of biomechanics around the game and that follow a lot of the up and coming coaches. Um, they knew they heard about him and he was on Golf Digest's Young Teacher of the Year for 2014. So he has been getting a bit of recognition, but I don't think anyone has suspected him to get the job as uh, as as Woods's swing consultant. Do you think that with this guy, he's young? I think he's in his thirties, isn't he? Thirty-six. Do you think he has the, um, what's the word? Status? Well, yeah, to, to deal with Tiger Inc. Or do you think he's going to just be there just to... Be a yes man? Yeah. Well, you know, he's only 36. He's, he's new-ish to the game. We don't mm. know much about him. You, like, I, I think if it was back to Hank Hanley or one of these guys, he'd be pretty quick to tell Tiger, look, you got to listen to me, or is it just going to be... 
yesing everything that Tiger says to I, I think Tiger's going to be very accepting of what this guy has to say, particularly as he's doing a Masters in Biomechanics, and you know, we all know Tiger's issues with his back and his knee over the years, so I think Tiger will, will be very wise to listen to a lot about what this guy has to say and how Tiger should be swinging the club over the next few years. Chris Como's website crashed within five minutes of the announcement. Uh, <laughs> Just like Tiger's back. Well, oh. yeah. But on his website, apparently it links that he is into biomechanics uh, of the golf swing, which I suppose everyone's probably worried about after his previous uh, coaches. But uh, one of the things that he does focus on is the biomechanics of the golf game and the impact of injuries. So I think... Tiger probably is, is willing just to get someone, listen to what he has to say and get his input. And it was actually Nota Begay who introduced Como to Tiger. Actually, Como's working with, uh, actually, uh, Jamie, Edmund, Badley and yeah, Jamie Lovemark. Did you have Jamie Lovemark in your top 200? Or maybe somebody else? No, I had nobody successful in my no. top 200. Um, so yeah, he's working with Badley, Immelman and Jamie Lovemark. Now they're all outside the top 200, but, um, he has been working with a few players, so, um, and do you think this is the kind of the modern golf coach now looking at the biomechanics, looking at injury prevention rather than perhaps the, the David Ledbetters of the world? Their time may have come and gone and it's now looking at how to prolong a guy's career to be able to hit it that hard, that velocity and all the movement in the body that this is. I think only, well, Tiger is always talking about being explosive, which is just so frustrating to listen to. But... Um, I think I, I don't think it'll be a universal team. Like I saw Westwood there still working with uh, Pete Cowan and working with a fair bit. So Stenson actually mm-hmm. in the morning at the European Tour or the the DP World Championship, he was still well, working away with Pete Cowan. So I think those guys still still have a role to play. Well, Cowan's been the mastermind behind Stenson's revival from the doldrums a couple of years ago. So um, no, I think there's depth. There's, there's a magic formula for every golfer. Every golfer is an individual. I mean, you see McElroy lifting four hundred something uh, pounds in the gym, you know, doing his leg squats, and then Justin Rose a couple of days later getting back to him on Twitter, Justin doing a ten pound leg squat. So I mean, ev- everyone has their own individual plan and what will work best for them and let's I mean I'm dying to see if this works for Tiger I think we all are we'd love to see mm-hmm. him back on a fully fit full season and, and how he stacks up against the, the rest of the, the pros who are playing well these days we're talking about somebody who's you know starting a new system in Tiger somebody who's gone to something new and really hasn't worked you've been looking Barry at uh, sorry, Bobby, I think you've been looking at Webb Simpson's transfer to the short putter. Yeah, I read the other day he's playing the Dunlop Phoenix Open and he decided to give... It's his first tournament he played with a short putter and after three rounds he ranked last in the field for putting. So uh, I think it's an experiment that's not quite going well for the moment. W- was he a distant last or just just scraped last? Or I, I, I just saw he was last. I didn't look too per- much detail. Perhaps for, for people who haven't seen it, when you say the short putter, just explain what you mean by that. Is this kind of... Yeah, he he would have obviously had an anchored, long anchored putter. Um, that I don't know where he anchored it, whether he anchored it. his belly somewhere. his belly, yeah. yeah. So... The, the putter is anchored into his chest, so therefore it makes it easier to, he just swings with his body and there's no wrist um, input into it. Whereas he's now gone to a standard putter that you see pretty much, you know, 90% of pros yeah. using, uh, which is, I presume it's probably about waist height really, isn't it? Yeah, somewhere between your knee and your hips, like, yeah, yeah somewhere uh, about there. It depends on what their preference is. And this is, I assume, because of the regulations have yeah. changed, so yeah. he has to start making these. The January, January 2016, so just over 12 months now. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'd say though, you know, people like Adam Scott, uh, Tim Clark are all getting quite fearful about the transition, Keegan Bradley as well. Yeah, yeah. 
So, um, yeah, so his experiment hasn't started well, anyway. Well, an experiment that has started well was Henrik Stenson at uh, the DP World Tour Championship, which was the European Tour season-ending event, which he won by birdieing the last two holes on Sunday. He successfully defended this uh, title from winning it 12 months ago. He shot a final round two under 70 to win by two strokes with an overall 16 under total of 272. Three of Stenson's teammates on the European Tour um, in the Ryder Cup team, Rory McIlroy, Victor de Brisson, and Justin Rose had pretty good weeks as well, but just falling just short. Barry, you, you watched quite a bit of this, um, getting your last little drop of, of golf before the, the winter break. Was he a deserving winner? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he drove the ball and hit his irons phenomenally well all week long. Um, and really kept himself in there without doing anything overly spectacular for the first three days uh, but it wasn't until the 17th where he hit a stunning six iron into the wind to an island green and into about a foot they really kind of stamped his authority on the tournament and had a nice bounce all the same 17 didn't he it was a helpful bounce but you know he, he took the risk and he got the reward for taking the risk you know he took it straight at the pin and you know fortune favors the brave and uh, it favored <coughs> favored him pretty well and it left him in a position that a par was a likely win on 18 it turns out that McElroy and Rose both had the exact same putt to go to 15 under to put a little bit more pressure on Stenson. Both of them just came up a little bit short. Uh, McElroy was lucky in the first place to get an opportunity to do that because he drove it straight at the water hazard and pinged it off a rock, getting a little extra distance. And to be honest, quite a disappointing result. I think he had a five iron in his hand and he, he missed the green by a long way right and had to try get up and down from there to make a birdie. But uh, I thought it was a phenomenal tournament. Lots of players in with a great chance you know, of winning coming down the stretch. Really enjoyable. Yeah, Stenson ranked second in driving accuracy, second, this is to back up your mm. point, uh, Barry, second in driving distance and fourth in greens and regulations. That just shows how good he was. Interesting, in, interestingly, uh, McElroy ranked uh, 55th for driving accuracy. So, And he did touch mm. on it himself. He, he said oh, he only had a C game. So he just finished two shots behind and finished second place for the C game, which is quite impressive. You know? Ridiculous. That, that drive he hit, I think there's plenty of GIFs of shot tracers on Twitter. I think it was 350 yards and it just went like a laser. It was a phenomenal shot. Yeah. And he, he even looked slightly disappointed with it after he hit it, which is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a different level of the game that I'd love to go, I'd love to be able to see him play live again in warmer climates where the ball can actually go that distance. Well, somebody who had a laser uh, with Shane Larry's hole in one in the DP. I don't think he uh, he didn't get anything for it though, did he? I don't think no, he there was no. I actually he was on the wrong hole to mm. to get a hole in one. Thirteen or something was on. It was on the prize was on seventeen. Yeah, but I think to be honest, I think he, I suppose he took the biggest prize of his career, and that he's now up to forty seventh uh, in the world rankings, and. That opens up entries into absolutely everything. The number one thing, I suppose, that he now has... Well, sorry, this is on the assumption that he has to finish in the top 50 on the 31st of December, but I think the way his rankings are going, he's actually likely to go up. He's likely to get more ranking points Mm. as some of the old ones fall off. Mm. Um, But the big thing is he gets into the US Masters. If you were in the top 50 in the the world on the 31st of December 2014, you get into the 2015 US Masters, into all the WGCs in the Open... Uh, he's in the USPGA and easy enough. So that's the big one for him. And I think uh, I read a comment by him 
a while back that said somebody had put to him, you know, would you try and get a get into the Masters in another way or the other, the likes of the W? And he said, no, I want to play my way in, and he's done that this year, mm. which is which is great. Guys, unfortunately, who are playing their way out of tournaments, unfortunately, is a few of the Irish lads won't be returning to the European Tour next year. Yeah, the, unfortunately, Bob and Alan were bang on the nose and <laughs> calling Peter Laurie's heartbreak and missing his European Tour card by one shot <clears throat> after six rounds in uh, Catalonia. And um, that's just brutal for him. And uh, Thornton and McGeady were pretty close as well. And who else uh, is playing there also? We know McGeady missed the cut. I think Phelan, Phelan that's made him. the cut, but he, he he had a he was four over the last day, so he missed out. Yes, yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's a shame. <clears throat> Excuse me. Crushing for Peter Laurie. I mean, what, what, he's going to get some limited starts on the European Tour now, but I think by just missing out on a few on the Challenge Tour. But you wonder whether he considers a career change now or whether he just goes and battles through it. I think he'll, he'll have to play on the Challenge Tour and he'll have to win early, I think. Or, you know, it's, something's mm. going to have to happen in the first six months because he won't get much action in the summer, you know. It's, uh, it's sad to see. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. we, that means we've lost four of the 12 Irish tour cards we had this year. So it's a, it's a huge it's a huge decrease in our representation on the European tour. Yeah, yeah it's a shame and, and obviously we wish them the best in whatever they decide over the next couple of weeks as to where they go with their careers. Um, talking about careers and, and, and people who are going to live off the celebrations or otherwise... After all of the weeks of the top 200, we have now come to the finale and the big announcement. I think there should be a drum roll, but I don't have a drum roll. <laughs> Barry has like a drum roll. <laughs> so, Bobby, um, tell us, put us all out of our misery. Yeah, I talked about it last week, and I think the two guys probably suspect they know the results. But last week, we went into the final week with Matt Ward leading uh, on 195 and Martin Sacombe in second place in 208. There was a few people with outside chances. Brian Mulvihill had Tyrrell Hatton. I was going to say Ricky Hatton again. Uh, he had... Uh, <laughs> He's only <one> Ricky Hatton. <laughs> <laughs> he had Tyrrell Hatton and I think he actually sent me a couple of texts getting quite excited going, what happens if Tyrrell Hatton wins? Do I win the top 200? So uh, I, we, I think he might have had a chance because he only had to pick up about 70 odd point, uh, points in the ranking. But anyway... I'll wrap up with the final top five um, for the very the inaugural top two hundred competition. So the the, the top five uh, final positions for two thousand and fourteen in fifth place with a total ranking of two three eight. My good self, uh, Bobby Donnelly. That's why he didn't want to stop top three. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I have been consistent with top five, but that is the reason behind it. <laughs> um, number fourth, James English, who. He dropped from third place, actually, from last week to finish fourth uh, on a total of 2.36. Shane McKiernan jumped from fifth up to third uh, to finish 2.34. Um, and before I give the final two positions, I will give a couple of honourable mentions to Jared Call, who jumped 17 spots with Terrell Hatton. Uh, Kenneth Quillanan jumped 18 spots with Terrell Hatton. Uh, Marie Janella Barone also jumped 19 point, uh, points. With um, with Tyrrell Hatton as well, and then as a, and, then, and Brian Mulvilly, who I mentioned, he jumped to 18 spots as well. So the top two, uh, I'll go. In, I'll give the first place, and the first place for 2014 was Martin Sicombe with total ranking of 196, and Matt Ward sickingly was second at 204. Oh, well, congratulations, Martin. It's well done, Martin. Yeah, hard luck, Matty. You only have to be in first place for one week. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a bit like um, Billy Horschel, the yeah. FedEx. Absolutely. And uh, uh, what, what Martin wins is much better. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Martin doesn't get ten million dollars. Who would want it? (laughs) But um, yeah, Martin's the winner of a four ball in Carton House. So, Mark, if you send us a direct message with your address, and we'll post it over to you. Um, and all the best with getting Robert Carlson to join you on the uh, yeah. on the four ball. I saw Martin was tweeting Robert Carlson to try to get him along for a round. Yeah. He said, "Yeah, if 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 I win it, uh, I'll bring you out, Robert Carlson." So I still think he's still waiting on a response. But congratulations to everyone. Everyone entered, and we'll put the final uh, leaderboard up on Twitter uh, this evening. Anyway, so everyone will be able to get to see exactly where where they finished. And also, if anybody has any ideas about competitions or kind of fantasy golf competitions we could run starting in the new year, please uh, give us a tweet at Podcast GTS. You know. We'll try to get something fun up and running again. Yeah, we have a couple of ideas. We we're, we're, we're might think about doing the top 200 again, and I suppose we could always run it again, but not uh, give mm-hmm. as many regular updates. And we have a couple of other um, interactive ideas. So, but if any, as a good point, Barry, if anyone has any ideas, drop, drop them onto us, and we'll have a look at them anyway. Well, <clears throat> thanks for that, Bobby. Uh, I'm very disappointed I didn't win, but sure, there you go. Uh, <laughs> no favoritism shown here. Um, American Golf, Barry, last week you went down to see Gary Cullen, the pro in American Golf in Dundrum, and had a really good talk with him about the new PNG 30. Mm. You've been back to him this week, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, gets said uh, for the, the weekly analysis of uh, Barry's failures in his game and what's missing in his bag. Um, just in case anybody has missed out on the offer from uh, American Golf Dundrum on the G30. There's a 10% discount for uh, listeners of the podcast who uh, follow American Golf on Twitter. It's American Golf at AG Dundrum. And didn't we... We've had some listeners who've gone into American Golf and have bought the G30 already. Yes, we have indeed. So uh, already, you know, the great work and the illustration from Gary about what custom fitting can do for you and your your driving with yeah so obviously the, uh, the the people who have bought the G30 uh, were obviously listening last week so we'd obviously be very interested to get some reader feedback as to what the the G30 mm-hmm. what, what they thought of the G30 because I was very impressed with your results that you got yeah in terms of we, we mentioned it last week so whoever whoever the people are that have, have bought the driver and um, please get in contact let us know how you think even if it's in a couple of months time to let, when you when you've got you to the driver let us know what you think of it and we, we can do a bit of a recap great yeah and I think this week you were looking at putters and the importance of uh, putter fitting something that I don't think a lot of people would have looked at before no no before before I went along I um, I had some really poor misconceptions about putting and you know what, what was right for my game so I guess the, the best thing to do is to let Gary tell us all about it hi Gary hi Barry How's it going today? Oh, not too bad. You're very welcome back to American Golf. Thanks, thanks. Uh, so we just had a little uh, look at putters today. Yeah, putters is one of the key parts of the game as well, Barry. Like we were on drivers last week and uh, being fit for the likes of drivers, putting, you need to be fit as well. It's one of the key parts. Oh, really? You'll really only use the driver 14 times in a round of golf. So there's four holes there that you're actually not going to use because they're part trees. Mm. And there's some other holes that you might actually hit a tree with or a hybrid off where putting, you're pretty much using it on every hole. That's true, that's true. And having the right putter, I guess, is a very important thing. It's one of the key elements of the game. Very, uh, You've got two types of putting putters there. And one is face balanced. And the face balanced putter would be the likes of your two ball putters. And then you have your heel-toe balanced, which is more like your standard putter head. So what you're really looking for then is face balance is for someone's putting arc that's straight back, straight through. 
mm-hmm. and the heel toes for someone that has a slight arc in their foot and stroke, which is a key thing because most amateurs will come in, just pick up a putter and won't know the difference between heel toe and face balance and to actually have this fit properly that you know that when you go out that it's actually just a bad stroke that you put on rather than you putting a good stroke on and having a bad shot then with it. Okay, so it's, there's a little less consideration about the actual aesthetic and the look of the putter, and it's more about finding the one that is the actual right match for your stroke. Yeah, it's more about having something that's actually going to suit your stroke rather than the look of it. You can you can get used to the look of a putter, but you'll never get used to the feel of it. So it has to actually feel good in your hands, mm. but it also has to match your putting stroke. So there's no point in having a putter there that actually looks really well but doesn't feel good in your hands because you'll never get used to that feel. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So so in terms of if I was a new customer coming in here to I wanted a new putter my old one you know was seven or eight years old or whatever we'd have a look at you know trying a few different putters we'd have a look at what type of stroke I have first yeah we'd go through the full custom fit and make sure that first of all we'd start off and we'd have a look and see whether you were a straight back straight through mm-hmm. or a slight arc from there we'd go on to and we'd measure you up and make sure that you had the right length to club Okay. Uh, and make sure that your eye line was directly over the ball rather than a lot of amateurs have their eye line behind the ball so they can't actually put down the line that they're actually if anybody's going to come in as a customer to, to try to get a putter you know they're going to come into an American golf oh, they like can come into an American golf and get fully uh, fitted on the putter as well it takes about 15 minutes to go through the whole procedure 20 minutes max and when it comes to putters it's it's more about getting the right one rather than just the look of it because mm-hmm. if you just go for the look of it doesn't mean that that's the one that's going to work for you at least if you go through the procedure of the custom fit it's giving you a much better idea that this one is actually going to help you rather than hinder you it's also very important to get the right type of putter heel heel toe balance versus face balance that's, yeah, correct, that's a huge consideration if you're a face balance putter using a heel toe you're going to struggle all day long and vice versa if you're a heel toe balance then you're using a face balance you're going to just struggle with the, to get the putter going towards the target every time. And if the putter doesn't go towards the target, there's very little chance you're holding putts. So, look, that's great. I think on the back of that, I mean, it's, it seemed to show that I was, uh, I'm in need of a face balance putter. And face I, I have balance a, I have a, it came out. You know, I have a very uh, old, kind of traditional style putter myself. So, very quickly realizing I need to get a lot of stuff in my bag, but it's, uh, it's good because it can only help my game in the end. It's not going to make it any worse, Bar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that guarantee <laughs> to the bank. Um, well, so look, we're coming up to Christmas here, and we also had a kind of a route around the shop here to see what else is there in terms of gifts. And we kind of came across to the GPS section, and we had a look at the Golf Buddy PT4, which is sort of the creme de la creme of GPSs at the moment and new out. Yeah, it's one of the better ones out there, and Golf Buddy launched this going back a few months, and it for detail and everything. It is one of the better ones out there. Like the likes of GPS is, it's a great gift for anyone for Christmas because what this is, this is confirmation of how far you actually have to the hole every mm-hmm. time. Most amateurs will come up short all day long because they're not using a device to actually help them. There's loads of different types of devices out there, Barry, when it comes to watches, lasers. We've our, the TomTom watch there, which is flying out the door at the moment, which retails at 249 absolutely fantastic you have the Garmin S1, 2, 3, 4 uh, watches these are all just reassurance of actually how far you have and a lot of them what they do is they can actually help you 
to, for layup. So if you're playing a particular course every time and there's a particular hole mm-hmm. that you know you're hitting it here all the time, you can actually enter that in as your layup. Brilliant, yeah. Uh, it really helps with the strategy on the course. And, yeah. You know, arguably having a GPS in your bag will save you more shots. Than it's course management. Yeah, yeah. And if you have your course management down to a T, you're going to save yourself three, four shots. And this is what the GPSs and the GPS watches do. They actually do end up saving your shots because it, it confirms that this is how far you have to hit it. And most people will then go and hit an extra club and all of a sudden mm-hmm. they're on the green rather than coming up short than normal. But it's something that everyone is putting into their golf game now as well because it's like having a caddy on the bag. It's easier. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, another thing I noticed in here that makes your game an awful lot easier is having somebody else carry your bag for you, mm. much like a, a, a caddy. And we saw one of the the latest one from Moto Caddy, the M1 Pro. Is a, yes, it's, it's a fantastic piece of kit altogether. The M1 Pro is probably one of the neatest trolleys that you'll come across. Literally, there's five steps to it, and it breaks down. You just follow the numbers, but it folds up so neatly. Anyone that's struggling for a little bit of room in the house or a bit of room in the car. Mm. This one falls down so neat. Because stands about the size of, a, I'd say, a box of uh, a case of beer or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's not far off it. Uh, and it comes with a few little extras on it. It actually has a GPS holder in it that you can actually just sit your GPS into. Beautiful. Uh, the wheels and all come off. The store's looking great, all the, the Christmas signs and offers and deals up, so I'd recommend anybody come down here to have a look around and talk yeah, to the guys. more than welcome to pop in and have a look around. If there's anything that they need advice on, just ask any of the members of staff here. Like For the likes of Christmas presents, loads of people are going to come in not knowing what to buy. Just mm-hmm. ask the members of staff, they'll run you through everything. Like at the moment, there's great little couple and book packages there. you got a jumper and a T-shirt for 59.99. Nice. Uh, which is great value. You also have the likes of uh, the Callaway Winter Mitts. It's good to keep the hands warm, actually. The yeah. mittens, I think, are one of the best little accessories I've ever had for golf. Keep your hands warm and you yeah. actually feel the club in your hands. The Callaway have a little heater in the inside of it that you can just heat up and you can reuse and reuse and reuse. So this is an ongoing thing. This is good stuff. You get all these things that replace the caddy and means you don't have to pay them 10% of your winnings either. Yeah, <laughs> you certainly don't, Barry. And we have a members weekend, Barry, this weekend on the t- from the 27th to the 1st of December. And if you spend 100 euro, you get 10 euro off. If you spend 200 euro, uh, you get 25 euro off. And if you spend 300 euro, you get 40 euro off. 300 euro or more. If, you know, if they want to buy everything. More, yeah. Good stuff, uh, good stuff. So it's going to be a, a good weekend. And uh, the members weekend is with your members card. So when the members card is swiped through, this promotion kicks in. Well, thanks a million for that, Gary. We're hoping to come back in here with the full team over Christmas to put together a very special episode. We've got uh, we've got some plans in place for that, and uh, it should be very exciting with some uh, new equipment coming into the store here. Yeah, we look forward to it, Barry, and we can't wait to get the whole lot of you in here so that you can all have a good bit of banter about the new equipment that you're going to try. Okay, brilliant stuff. Well, thanks a million, and uh, everyone don't forget to follow American Golf on Twitter. It's at AG Dundrum, and Gary as well. It's at Gar75. Um, so we'll see you again next time, Gary. Thanks very much, Barry. Bye-bye. Cheers. That was very interesting, Barry, I must say. Um, I, it's, it's, it's actually it's very engaging to listen to Gary, I must say, uh, every week, and I think we can all agree that we're definitely all learning something. Um, I suppose the question I have for you is, are you going to have to change your putter? Are you going to start consider changing your putter? I think so, yeah. It's been something that's been in my mind a bit for the year. I've had a pretty up-and-down year with putting and, and, and getting exposed to the 
the real technical and the truth about putting and putters and the different types of putters and how it matches up to my stroke. I think it's um, it's definitely something that I'm going to have to look at a lot more seriously now. And what type of putter do you have to go? Do you have to go for again? It it looks like I'm moving towards a face balance putter. I have an old uh, heel toe style. So um, yeah, the big mallet head ones. I always thought it was all about the aesthetics and the look, and I like the you know the little traditional style mm. looking uh, putters. But might have to get my like Gary said, um, you can get used to a putter, but you can't get used to the feel. So getting the right feel is the important thing, and so hopefully help my game go to a new level in putting. And would you even consider just finding a second-hand face-bounce putter and, and bringing it out maybe on some Sunday even for nine holes to see if, if you'd notice any difference a difference immediately? Yeah, I think so. Just just to test it out. There's, yeah. you know, there's no harm in giving it a go, and I yeah. certainly have nothing to lose. It's not like I'm, I'm leaving the putting stats in, in any category or <laughs> against any competition. So Yeah, I, I have a face-bounce putter. I've got the Odyssey and started with the two-ball and then moved on to the Sabretooth. And I've... Very interesting. I can never use your puller, which mm. is the the toe heel balance one. You know, it just any time I bring it out, it's too light. It just doesn't work for me. But uh, it's interesting because I wouldn't have. I, I I was down on aesthetics. Now it was always weight for me as well mm-hmm. because. But uh, well, I know Alan's going to be listening to this podcast. Going, I've been telling Barry for about six months to change that puller. So six months, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's been getting in your grill about your putter change. So um, Alan's gets in my grill about everything, like yeah. giving out about the way I breathe and blinker. <laughs> I'd say he's there at home now, planning up opening Alan Golf, and and you won't even go in. There'll be no fitting. You'll just be like, "Yeah, that's shit. Change that putter. No, <laughs> no changes to this. We know it's science to it. Just as yeah, Alan's motto is maximum profits, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, uh, maximum abuse. So, so um, look, thanks again to Gary and American Golf to Rome. Like, it's, I'm really enjoying doing it. I'm uh, as we said there at the end, we've a, a a special thing lined up where we're trying to get all four of us together and uh, it'll be a really cracking episode with some really good gear uh, to test so all our, any of our listeners out there you know get down to American Golf Dundrum give them a follow on Twitter it's at AG Dundrum and Gary's uh, Gary Cullen's Twitter is at Gar75 <coughs> so uh, looking forward to doing some more stuff in the new year yeah, and as well, uh, you know, if, if if people find this quite engaging, make sure you get in touch with Gary and and try the putting fitting out as well and see if it's any benefit for you. I, I mean, my view on it is I think if if you're putting well, well, this probably isn't something that you need to do, but mm. if, if you're not putting or you don't think you're getting the most out of your putting game, go down and talk to Gary or talk to the guys in, in American Golf Dundrum and at least give it a go and see, you know, do, do you find a putter that suits your game a bit more? Mm-hmm. Because this is the time to be trying it out. I know the greens aren't great, but this is the time to be trying it and then have yourself ready for April. And in, in, in past podcasts, we've looked at how important a handicap is related to putting and how many putts it takes you to get around. So, like, even knocking two or three putts per round off can make a mm-hmm. huge difference wow. if you're, you know, like... So, um, yeah, no, that, that, that's great. And again, thanks, thanks to American Golf. Um, so, look, I suppose... You know, it's the end of the season. 2014 is all but wrapped up. We we know everybody who's won the majors and and the Ryder Cup and all of the rest. So we've decided this week we're going to do a season kind of review and kind of nearly the Oscars of this podcast of <laughs> of the best, the worst, uh, the, the the beautiful and the ugly. And um, I think we'll start with our favorite major this year. I think that's probably we're not going to go through every single tournament one by one, but I think the majors are the, obviously the ones that stand out and. Uh, Barry, sorry, Bobby. Actually, I think I'm going to come to you first. Mm-hmm. Your your favorite major of of this season? 
Well, I think myself, myself and Barry might agree on this, that I think the USPGA was the best major. Um, I think when you look back at the Masters, Bubba had a one on the back nine. I think he was miles ahead of speed. Um, British Open, McIlroy always had it, had it in his hands. Um, I mean, the US Open was extremely enjoyable, but again, Clymer had it ahead, whereas the USPGA was brilliant, you know, with uh, Fowler, Mickelson, um, and Ricky uh, Fowler, Mickelson, and McIlroy all in contention with four or five holes to go, um, and it was a brilliant golf course. Uh, I thought McIlroy played brilliant, and he was he was a good bit ahead, but then Mickelson and Fowler came back and made a bit of a charge, and on the front mm-hmm. nine, um, McIlroy was struggling through the front nine. He wasn't really playing great. He was over par. Yeah, he was over par, and Mickelson and Fowler were, were playing together and holding putts from everywhere. And you can see the camera views, if everyone remembers, where you're actually looking down the fairway from over McIlroy's shoulder, you're seeing Mickelson and Fowler holding loads of putts. The crowd are going mental. It was a bit of a kind of Ryder Cup atmosphere, like America against Europe. So I thought it was an, it was a, a, a stunning major, and definitely the most exciting for me. And it was great to see McIlroy win it. Probably one of the best ones in years as well. You know, for, yeah. for drama and excitement. And there were, there were plenty of guys who were kind of putting their name up there on the t- high on the leaderboard early on in the back nine and around the turn. Um, and it all changed with that kind of sort of next three was by McIlroy yeah. to set up an eagle. But, you know, you take the breaks when you get them because golf will kick you in the nuts often enough. But even as well. Every week for you. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's why I wear a cup. But even a lot of people struggled on 17th hole. I think Mickelson struggled. I think he might have made a bogey there. That was there. an animal of a hole. Yeah, and McElroy hit an iron out of the bunker into like 15 feet. And, yeah. that, and that wrapped it up for him. That was an amazing golf shot. So I, I, for me, it's definitely my favourite major of the year. Um, but yeah, that was brilliant. So USPJ, are you agreeable with that, Barry? Or is there any other honourable mentions out of the other three that, that you'd put in the mix? I'm definitely going to give an honourable mention to the US Open uh, above the Open Championship in Augusta because I thought the course was the real star of the show and it was a, a massive change in, in how a course was set up and presented for US Open. Obviously, firm and fast is how they like it, but they usually have disgustingly high rough just off the ferry, whereas this they had the scrubland and it was a very minimalist approach to, to a golf course. They tried to kind of go back to the retro style of golf course, how it was produced back in the early 1900s. Um, I thought it was wonderful to see. Um, I'd like to see a few more courses like that. I don't necessarily think it should be the only style for US Open. I like to see them chop and change it now. It's, it's good to see that the experiment worked and produced a worthy champion in Martin Keimer who, who played by far and away better than the rest of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, it was also an enjoyable tournament for the, the story about Eric Compton and his great performance there. Uh, his comeback from multiple heart surgeries at this stage. Um, we were down in Carn, and uh, one of the guys who was playing in, in your dad's team mm. had actually backed him to win at something like 300 to, 300 to 1 yeah. uh, and was getting very animated on the last day in the hope that he would see it through. But um, in terms of the majors, Bobby, just, just very quickly, is it going to be a year that these majors are going to be remembered or is it just going to disappear or is it just really the USPGA that will stick out and the rest will just fade away? Um, I think if you were looking at uh, major champions, I think it would be a very memorable year because it was McElroy, Bubba winning again in, um, the, Masters. in the Masters. Yeah, And obviously Clymer was a, and Barry Tushin was a fabulous uh, champion in the way he played, particularly the first two days. Um, so I think the major champions will definitely be remembered. In terms of final day dramas, it will definitely be one of the most forgettable years that we've had uh, in a long time. 
In terms of favourite moments, so I I was putting my hand up here for, for the Ryder Cup, and I think, Barry, you were agreeing with me yeah, earlier. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the grimace on your face, I'm not sure you're still sticking with me on the Ryder Cup. Um, is the Ryder Cup your favourite moment? Oh, it's, it's kind of has to be, yeah. I mean, the... the I can't just we can't just go to the USPGA for all the awards. So it certainly outside of the majors, it was a very standout moment for me. It was just a, a wonderful clinical performance by by Europe McGinley, the Scottish crowds, the whole thing, and it just seemed like the the Americans never stood a chance. It was a bit of a procession, but you know I, we always as as Irish fans of sport, we always expect the heartache and pain. So it was actually great to see it finish off in such style by uh, Jamie Donaldson with that stunning wedge shot in. For a guy who's sitting here wearing blue and is European, you've got to agree with that, Bobby. I don't agree in relation to the Ryder Cup being the best moment. Like For me, I think I suppose the, the moment uh, is something that you're going to remember. And I think the, while the Ryder Cup was great and Jamie Donaldson's wedge was particularly memorable, um, I, I thought it was a bit um, it was a bit of an anticlimax to the Ryder Cup Europe won quite handily even though it did go quite close in the last day um, I think there was for me far more memorable moments for the season and for me Barry touched on it Eric Compton finishing second in the US Open Eric Compton has had three heart operations um, and there's been a lot documented about how he's come back and he's playing golf after having three heart operations so I think for him finishing second in the US Open was a brilliant moment but to me, the one that really, I think, a lot of the European Tour people remember is Oliver Wilson winning the Alfred Dunhill. Um, he had fallen out of the top 200, was well down in the world rankings, and was in total doldrums and kind of considering about, well, whether he should give up the game and things like this. And apparently Robert Rock actually gave him, uh, gave him a lesson and started working with him, and he turned his, his game around and he got an invite to the Alfred Dunhill links, uh, I think it was in was it October, September, mm-hmm. October, and kind of later part of the European tour season anyway, and he went on to win it, and with the likes a lot of the European uh, Ryder, actually with the week after the Ryder Cup, uh, a lot of the Ryder Cup team played there, and he went on and win that, and you could see himself that from where he'd been, and from where his game had basically completely fallen apart, to come back and win a European tour event, you know, over a million euro, and to win um, a two-year exemption, I thought it was. You could see when he when he said it, he kind of he pretty much broke down that it was it was such a long road back from. So I thought that was a brilliant moment, and I think to me something like that is, is something that I remember a lot more than let's say the Ryder Cup. See, that's because you're a true romantic, you know. Well, that that is true, and you'd love a good story like that. Yeah. You'd, you'd be crying at the moment if this was on a movie in the cinema. I'm uh, surprised. I'm surprised they haven't made a movie about Oliver Lewis. But he's perennial bridesmaid. I mean, he, he the guy removed King Kong from his back, not just a monkey from his back, about getting a win on tour. He had seven seconds, I think. Yeah, yeah. Minutes, it was so. it was a great moment, and I at the home of golf as well. It's a pretty special way to actually break your duck on uh, getting a win on a European tour. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I think probably means that we're going to give it to Oliver Wilson. He, he's going to get the golf puck to oh, GTS. Yeah. I think you've probably just sold it. Well, it's the tear that's in your eye, Bobby, right now <laughs> that has sold it to the rest. Grabbing, grabbing the tissues. Yeah, uh, well, he's wearing his old course of St. Andrews jumper as well. I, mean, I think I think Bob just emotional manipulation. who give give the gong to Oliver Wilson. I think a, he's quite deserving winner anyway. We'll, yeah. we'll get on Twitter and send it to him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, biggest controversy. Jeez, oh, this, this, this category could go on for ages. We could have a whole p- podcast about this one. Um, 
I, I was going to say, Phil, uh, sorry, Tiger Woods uh, leaving Sean Foley, coming back early, getting injured, crying off, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think that's only one of, of many options. Um, well, I think, the, I think the, the obvious one is Justin Johnson, Barry, and I think we'll, we'll probably agree that we're going to give it to Justin Johnson as the biggest controversy, because I think when you... For his sabbatical. Yeah, exactly. So he obviously, he announced that he was taking a break from uh, the game of golf, uh, for personal reasons, and then a story. It's exactly at the moment you said that, you started scratching your nose. <laughs> but it came out the next day then on, on Sports Illustrated's website, golf.com, that he uh, has been banned for six months for taking recreational drugs. And I think we covered it in one of our podcasts that it raised the issue really around um, the fact that PGA Tour don't comment on their, their uh, policy around drugs and yeah, nobody really knows what the story is with Justin Johnson. And I, I suppose that when you read the word controversy and you think about golf in 2014, it had to be Justin Johnson in terms of such a big Ferrari over it. Somebody who must have been sniffing something, giving media uh, interviews straight after the, the Ryder Cup, Barry, you, you were suggesting that perhaps Phil was going to rival Dusty's... Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, Phil was just I don't know, high on rage, frustration... Many many things of the, the bitter taste of loss of getting beaten to pulp by the European team in the Ryder Cup, but Phil Phil uh, airing the dirty laundry in the immediate aftermath of the Ryder Cup in front of everybody and the press without seemingly without warning was huge at the time, and then vilified and then. Everybody seemed to back him. About three weeks later, everyone said it was the greatest thing that ever happened. Talk yeah. about a fickle nation, but uh, yeah, just um, quick reactions and you know spur of the moment reactions. I, I, look, I thought for maximum effect, it you know he did it at the right time. I mean, it, it hit hardest when done in the press conference, and um, it was a controversy at the time. But I, I think it, it's it's kicked the Americans into action. They seem they've come up with all sorts of things now, a task force and. They go into special training. They probably have a, a six-month Ryder Cup training camp next time round. Yeah, I, I don't know necessarily if it was done at the right time. I think that was the thing people are critical is should he done it straight after? But then there is a lot of benefit from him doing it, and he could have let, let the dust settle. But then, as you kind of hinted, hinted about, he wouldn't have had the pure rage uh, to actually let fly on it. So, uh, well, I'd say his media handlers would have got to him and said, "Jesus, don't do that." Uh, <laughs> so perhaps uh, it was it was more a, a heat of the moment. Before we move on to the, the last of the, the categories and I suppose the major decisions that we have to make for the review, we're going to take 30 seconds and just discuss where we've played this year and kind of give an award for the best uh, away golf club that uh, the, 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 the group here have played. Mm-hmm. And we've taken in some beauties this year. Yeah, I think that's the thing. We did this award last year, and I thought it was a bit of fun. Anyway, just to kind of go, uh, just announce that the best away golf course that we played, and I think we probably have one. Probably have a bit of an agreement as to what the winner is, Barry. Do we? Yeah, we do. We should probably go through a few honourable mentions first. I personally, for me, I mean, by the annual excursion to Carn, which is phenomenal. The you know the new nine there. So when they combine the new nine with the the current back nine of that golf course, it's it's going to be even more mind blowing. Um, it's a phenomenal place to go. Great town to visit. It's a great trip. It's good fun. And I, I know we'll be going back again next year. Well, hopefully, if my then new wife allows me to go, it's only about two weeks after our wedding, <laughs> so I'm not sure. But we'll, we'll hold out for that. I have to say, I I really enjoyed Royal Dublin. I thought for a, mm. a course I've never played and is only within stumbling distance of. Uh, 
of my house. I thought Royal Dublin was absolutely amazing, um, and one that I definitely want to go back and play again and again. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've played a few places, obviously. You've been away. You were in Florida. You were in Sweden. You were yeah. I, and actually, that's one of the honourable mentions. Myself and Alan um, and two of our other listeners played Sand Golf Club, and I think it's it was I think it's in the top. Uh, I think it's the top five for the Nordic for golf course in the, in Nordic according to one of the Golf Digest awards. And I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And then we talked about it in our in our, in our podcast episode of Golf in Sweden. But that that definitely got the nomination for me. But um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but I think uh, it was fairly clear what our winner for this year because we, we did a big review on it. Um, on, Daddy. On, I'm not in agreement on this, by the way. Yeah, yeah well, I think you, 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 you're going to have to sit back and, and enjoy and listen to this then because myself, Alan and Barry went to St. Andrews to play golf uh, in... In St. Andrews, no, in coincidentally. March. In March. <laughs> in March, yeah. And uh, it was for one of the lads, Stags, who went over there. They did a great winter package, actually. £150 for three golf courses within the St. Andrews complex. Mm. And you get a guaranteed round on the old course. And it was just a terrific experience, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. The, the history of the place, the, you know, the amount of times you've seen it on TV and the fact that you actually get to be there yourself and walking into the town and playing the golf course and all the, all the, you know, the Swilkin Bridge and the, you know, the principal's nose, the bunkers, everything's there and it's a, it's a really special experience and it's just, it's just a great trip. She quick mentioned to one of the golf courses we played on the most hungover day of all. Um, the, it's up, it's about 10 minutes outside of the town. It's called the Castle as far as I remember, but it's like this kind of hilltop, um, Parkland links mesh, but it's just phenomenal, stunning holes. You know, playing there's a par three across, you know, a chasm down to the seaside. Yeah, it, was, it was a stunning course. I'd highly recommend anyone who goes to St Andrews to try and loop that into there. It's a part of the St Andrews seven courses, isn't it? It's part of the package, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's not quite. It's not down in the, the whole the links land yeah, area. Yeah. It's it's up on the cliff tops and wow, what I a think, place. I think they're saying that might host some sort of a European Tour tournament at some stage, or it might be linked into the Dunhill links at some I, stage. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's a yeah. it's, it's a staggering place. I think it would look very dramatic when done up for a tournament. So yeah, St Andrews gets the gone from from the the podcast. I think. Yeah. Well, two thirds of it anyway. Yeah. Three quarters. Three quarters. Actually. Yeah. 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 That's, a, that's a special resolution, James. You're going to have to cede. Yeah. All right. Well, look. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll move we'll swiftly there. back to uh, where the professionals were, rather than you amateurs. And um, the round <laughs> of the year, um, Bobby. You are, I think, going back into your bag of tricks of the US Open for this one. Yeah, I kind of touched on it briefly. Um, if, if we're going to be really strict that it has to be one round, well, then it's either of Martin Clymer's uh, <laughs> opening 65. So he opened 65-65 to leave the US Open on what was an incredibly tough course. and uh, He was minus 10 after two rounds, and uh, the second place was minus three, so he was seven ahead. And so I just thought he was absolutely fantastic. It was Martin Keimer at his best, and I just thought he was, he was brilliant. So uh, I'm picking two rounds, both of those, and if you're limiting between one round, just pick one, whichever one of those. Flip a coin. Barry, where are you going with this? I'm going to go with Rory 68 in the third round in the Open Championship. Uh, it was all getting very tight, and it's mo- mostly to do with... His final stretch of three holes where he went eagle, bogey, eagle, 
but it was just such a stamp of authority and a showcase of his amazing talents to, to dominate those two par fives and just put a little bit of a gap in front, you know, ahead of the rest of the field. Uh, it really set him up for the, the victory at March on Sunday, and it wasn't too difficult a day for him to finish out that golf tournament and claim his first Claret Jug. And you were delighted that he won the British Open, weren't you? My my wallet wasn't, but I was as a fan. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. It was a, it was a sensational display of golf, and he thoroughly deserved winning that tournament. I mean, nobody else deserved to beat him. There was there were some very close uh, close calls, and Sergio and Ricky, and they they tried their best, but Rory was just that, that little bit better than them. Well, sticking with Rory and, and moving on to the next category, um, I went with Rory's. This is the best shot category, and I went with Rory's um, second into the par five. 18th in the Honda Classic, where he hit that absolutely amazing kind of rescue fairway wood to a back right corner. Now, unfortunately, he didn't see it through and didn't make the playoffs. But to me, when I saw this category, that was the first one that stuck in my head. Surely, I'm going to get one here, lads. You cannot dispute that. No, it was a good. It was a great shot, and it was a have to hit it shot, and he hit it. Um, unfortunately, just. Missed the putt to make it into the playoff. I am going to go with Bubba's drive on 13 in Augusta on the Sunday. I mean, he kind of had the tournament sewn up, but, but this really was just a final nail in the coffin in that tournament. And as everyone knows, he hit this massive high fade for a left-hander over the trees, uh, 360 yards. And yeah. kind of, uh, it was so surprising to the guys who were on the green. It landed so close to the green, they all looked around. And were like, Is that his drive? I think he was 140, 148 yards out. And the reaction from the crowd is that it was oh. like scr- almost screams from people going, "Did he just do that?" It was a bit of a, a watershed moment at the Masters that somebody I know Dustin yeah. Johnson did knock it over a similar corner, but for Bubba to do it in the final day of the Masters, I thought it was a real wow moment. You I'd know? say a lot of the screams could have been people thinking he'd actually hit it into the trees and not realizing uh-huh. he actually hit it so far over, you know, so yeah. far that it actually got past the creek and past the trees and into the fairway. It, it probably means that the, the, the owners or the, the members of Augusta are currently going into that area and putting a lot more trees down there and a lot more water and everything to stop it from ever happening again. What can you do against that power? Bubba's shot, is that your... I must, I must say, when, when we thought shot of the year, that's the first shot that came to mind. I'm going to give an honour mention to Phil Mickelson hitting it out of the stand. Um, do you remember? I actually can't remember what tournament it was, but he... He's on the FedEx Cup, road to the FedEx Cup, I think. It was very yeah. close, yeah. It was in around that time. Yeah. And he hit his ball up into the stand and obviously shouted for the whole lot, went up anyway. And you assume he's going to go up and take the ball out of the stand, drop it and the whole thing. And sure enough, he clears the crowd like par- like you would parking the seat. He's pumping them along the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he just says, granted, it was like flat flat ground. He's just, I'm going to play it off. It's kind of like the green artificial grass he'd play off. Yeah. Fake grass. So, yeah. so he goes, yeah, I'm going to just play it. And he decides to play it out of stand. And I remember we were all kind of <laughs> chapping away on vibe. We're going, what the hell is happening? And it was amazing scenes. Now, Mickelson didn't get it up and down. He just he was actually chipping from quite a height, obviously, because it was up on a stand. And he just hit it over the green. didn't get up and down. But... Like you were saying, James, he was like he, everyone wanted to high five him, and people were there drinking beer and everything like that. And normally the players just go by, but he was high five and everyone was giving yeah. them all the cheers. And I thought it was brilliant, um, and that was great excitement. I, I thought it was brilliant. And 
the next day they marked out the spot in tape on the ground, you know, with a big X saying Phil was here. Yeah, where he played which, the which wasn't too far from where he played the following round. Shot from, but <laughs> yeah. he also went up there. I think that when you watch that video back, I still think the best bit of that is the guy who tries to give him the beer on the way out. Yeah, and he yeah. kind of tries to hand him his pint of beer to kind of go, go on, Phil, just neck it. Um, but but I think, and I have been sold by James on this one. Um, I do think that McElroy's shot, I actually think he's right. I think it is the best shot of the year because it was a real shot that you're under pressure. This is what you need to do and you need to deliver. And I thought it was an absolute stunning golf shot. So I I am, I don't know, we're, we're a majority anyway, James. So yeah. I'm going to give shot of the year to McElroy. And to be fair, both of us basically just do whatever we want and ignore Barry for the yeah, most yeah, part. So we're, yeah. we're going to go yeah. ahead with that. Oh, it, was, it was a great shot. It was like almost a little catalyst kickstarter for his confidence that he took throughout the year. And yeah. went on yeah. to, was a brilliant to do what he did. So from the very high to the very low... We are now moving to the most disappointing player. And Barry, you have controversy written all over your pick. Yeah, I'm going to self-nominate myself. Uh, no, uh, I think Sergio, to me, was the most disappointing player. Started off with a win in the Qatar Masters in January. You could just you thought it was a season he was going to completely break out, win multiple times. And the way he was playing, he should have won multiple times, but he didn't quite in typical Sergio fashion. And for that, I'm going to give him my nomination for most disappointing player of the year. I said it was controversial, and I'm going to guess, Bobby, you are not going to be in agreement with him. No, I think I think uh, I'm going to be. I'm going to take over the role of Alan here and just go, Barry. I think you are wrong in that. Uh, it, can, it, it actually sounds like Alan is yeah, here. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking on his personality. Um, I think Garcia contended reasonably well the major. Started the year 10th ranked in the world and has finished the wor- uh, year 5th ranked in the world. Mm. So he's gone up five places. He's now the 5th best player in the world. And I don't think he is has had a more disappointing season than our very own Porrick Harrington. Um, I know we're all fans of him and, and I suppose we are probably guilty of being a bit parochial at times uh, he played 17 times on the PGA Tour and his best finish was 4th in that Bermuda Championship last year which is last so I'm not even counting that as a top 20 that was out of 4 players yes so 4th out of 4 so I'm not even giving him a top 20 for that so he had no top 20s uh, on the PGA Tour he only had 3 top 20s on the European Tour Um he, I think he missed nine cuts out of 16 on the PGA Tour as well. So, And, and the three um, top 20s only came in the Irish Open and the Alfred Dunhill links, which are two tournaments you'd expect. And I, can't, I can't remember mm. the, the other one, but going back to my, my world rankings, he started the year at 131st in the world and he's now 375th. Which is about as many minutes as he's uh, taken up of our discussion on the podcast due to our just, yeah. oh, we hate seeing it happen to him. And the frustrating thing about Pork is it's it's not just one bit, you know, like it, it looks like the whole of the game is gone. You know, it's just not one, it's not just the putting or the driver, so it's just mm. everything seems to be gone. It's like he's playing a whack-a-mole on every single round. You know, one thing goes right, then another thing pops up that's gone wrong. It's just, a, I'd, I'd say, I don't know what, to be what fair, it's going to do. He did a really good job of bringing the water out in the Ryder Cup. You know, that was, <laughs> that was probably a highlight of his season. The other thing that I find, it, and as I said, we're all big fans of his, and we're, we're always hoping he comes back, but 
it's even it's a bit like I suppose when we're all Liverpool fans, it's it's the hope that kills you because he opened up the FedEx St Jude Classic and he opened up sixty eight sixty seven. I think he was about fourth place, mm. and of course you get excited and you're going, come on, Jesus! If you could even get it, like you get a top ten, you get into yeah. the next week, or Jesus, if he goes on and wins it and it just turns his whole career around, and then he goes and shoots seventy nine seventy two, and it's that's that's it's that's the hope, yeah, it's yeah. the hope that kills you. But I think for me, I think he. Um, he has been quite disappointing this season. I, I'm a, another small mention is Alex Noren, who uh, he's dropped hugely in the world rankings. He only played twice due to injury, so he's a guy that wasn't. He'd be quite disappointing. But I'm putting forward Paul Carrington anyway. Yeah, I, I I think the fact that Sergio's gone up in the world, and I think he's actually played pretty con- consistently. I, I think Harrington just because of the hope and just the, the mm. constant disappointment that he gets into a position and then just takes a double barrel shotgun and shoots him in the foot and the love that we have for him anyway that, that's yeah, and, we, and, we, and, and we all want like he is a three time major winner you, you you just want mm. him back you know yeah. like it's it's an elite group that he's in and that and you just would love to see him back playing um, at the top going back to where he should be and where he isn't I think it's probably safe to say that not just us but probably the whole world will agree that the player of the year award has to go to uh, Northern Ireland's very own Roy McIlroy what he's done this season from 12 months ago when he was leaving the last season fairly disappointing um, to do what he's done this year and and probably starting the true era of Rory's dominance um, probably means that he's he's safely the, the, the player of 2014 Took him a while to get used to those Nike clubs, but uh, once once he got it all sorted and bedded in, and you know, uh, and got, got rid of the, oh, just, the girlfriend, just <laughs> getting into that, yeah, he <laughs> dro- dropped one club from the bag, <laughs> and uh, it all seemed to just go right, you know, from from then on, and that five would he hit at all. It all just turned up roses for McElroy, and even when even he's got his game in such a place, like he said last week, uh, he had a C game, and he still almost won a tournament. You know, he gave and himself a chance to, to tie it to the top. So. And look, we we can u- utilize him for 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 an hour mm. or two hours, but we we all agree he is the best. We've we've gone yeah. through that. Let's look at some of the other honourable mentions. I'm throwing Shane Lowry out for what we talked about earlier. Now top fifties, done it the good way, done Great it the show. hard way, and, and I'm putting yeah. Shane Lowry. There's got to be other players. I'm sure, Bobby, you're probably going to go back into your bag of tricks again here for this one. Bubba Watson, I think he deserves a mention. Um, won the Masters, uh, won another PGA Tour event during mm-hmm. the year, and won outside. He mentioned himself one of his goals is to win outside of the state, so he won in China recently, won a WGC. So WG, WGC major and a PGA Tour win, I think, was very good. That's a phenomenal season. Another person who did three-win season was Patrick Reed. Uh, actually, sorry, and just on Bubba, um, he got himself up to the best world ranked player. He's fifth in the world now as well. So I think that was that was quite a good performance. If he changed some of the attitude, I would love that guy. You know, that's the only criticism I have this year. Water on the club. Yeah, I, think blah, 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 blah. I think it's hilarious. Like, it gives us so much, so, so much material in the podcast. I guess great. Good old Bubba. I thought Martin Keimer deserves a mention. You know, he seemed to be struggling along for about a, a good couple of years and all of a sudden turned it on, won the Players' Championships and the US Open in stunning style. Of which I have to thank him at my 80-1 to one backing. You, you uh, do, indeed. 80-1, yeah. yeah. Yeah, now, uh, kind of went off the boil a bit, but he seems to be more of a streaky player these days. So if you can catch Martin at the right time, you know, from a betting point of view, you can definitely get some uh, some great value out of him. Um, yeah, well, just quick mention back on Patrick Reed. I, I thought he was... Um, Quite a little star this year, you know, winning three times, giving us plenty of controversy with his top five comment, getting caught on camera in China as well with his uh, uh, 
less than savoury comments about his putting abilities um, and also all the passion he showed in the Ryder Cup. I think he earned a lot of fans that week, you know, with his drive in the Ryder Cup. Well, I, yeah, I think they're all really like you could you could go through a lot of other players, but I think Rory just was streets ahead of mm. of all of them. Ultimately, he's won he's won the PGA Tour Player of the Year. He's won the European Tour Player of the Year. So he's the clear Player of the Year, and, and hopefully he kicks on for next year. And and if Rory's listening, you just need to clear a bit of the mantelpiece for all those trophies because uh, the Player of the Year for the Good Talk Spoiled 2014 trophy is uh, winging its way to him right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Once we work out what it is. Uh, well, look, I think that's you know it's a great way to look back, and I think uh, on that note we shall we shall end it there. I just want to say thank you to to you guys. Uh, we are not finishing this podcast today; is the last one for the season. We actually are going to have another one next week um, because we have a few extra little special bits that we want yeah. to to, mm. to to play out. But uh, it won't be the same full full vigor of a, of a podcast that we have every week. But I just want to say thank you to, to, to Barry and Bobby for their input this week, for looking back on the season review, and to thank you, the listeners, for listening, as always, for downloading without you and your support. This is a useless exercise. So thank you to the listeners. I hope you have a great weekend golfing if you're playing. If you're watching it, enjoy the couch, and uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye-bye, huh? Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.